Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. How many of you ever heard of King David of Israel? Anybody ever heard of that guy? Almost everybody has heard of King David of Israel. He's the most famous king ever in the history of Israel. He's considered to be the greatest king in the history of Israel, but it didn't start out that way. In fact, the first king of Israel's name was King Saul. And Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin, as was a guy who's in the New Testament whose name started out as Saul but became Paul. And a lot of people confuse those two guys, but they, they lived rather far apart, about 1,300 years apart. Um, but King Saul was chosen because he was the tallest guy in Israel. In fact, he was a head taller than everybody else in the country. So he was chosen to be king for his physical features. And of course, God filled him with the Holy Spirit. So he had everything he needed to be king. But Saul was not a good king. Saul was angry. Saul was disobedient. Saul blamed everybody else when stuff went wrong. And so God decided that he needed to have a different king and somebody who wasn't related to Saul. So God decided to choose somebody from the tribe of Judah and specifically a son of Jesse. So Jesse was a guy that lived in Bethlehem, and Jesse had eight sons. But when Samuel the prophet, who was the one who had anointed Saul as king, was told by God to go anoint one of Jesse's sons as king, first of all, Samuel was not very happy about the idea because he knew that Saul was still the king, and if Saul found out that Samuel had anointed somebody else as the king, that Saul would kill Samuel. But God said, don't worry, it'll be okay. So he went to Jesse's home, and uh, although Jesse had eight sons, when Samuel arrived at the house and asked Jesse, do you have any sons? He goes, yeah, I got seven. Hmm, that's weird, isn't it? Seven sons. He lines all seven sons up, uh, and actually he lined them up from the oldest to the youngest, from the tallest to the shortest, and the first one's name is Eliab, and so Samuel looks at Eliab and goes, oh, he's the oldest, he's the tallest, that's it, that's the guy. And here's what God said. Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Huh. Here in our world today in 2014, people judge by outward appearances. People judge by position, status, how much money you have. People judge by how you look. But God doesn't do that. He never did. He still doesn't. And today, we're in the third week of a series called Changed, and the message today is titled, Invited to Change. And what we're going to look at is the heart, your heart, my heart, everybody's heart. And what we're going to look at is that God doesn't really care about people's outsides, he cares about our insides. And if we go back to that selection process with Samuel choosing a new king for Israel, we go past Eliab, and we come to Abinadab, who was the second oldest and the second tallest, and God said, nope. And he goes to Shemaiah, the third one, who was the third oldest and the third tallest, and God said, nope. And he goes, four, five, six, seven, no, 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 no. And Samuel's confused. He looks at Jesse, he says, is this it? You don't have any more sons? He said, yeah, I do have one more son, but he's out watching the sheep and the goats. You know, he's a kid. I mean, he's not king material. I mean, I, I didn't even put him in, in the lineup. And so Samuel says, well, bring him in. So David comes in, and as soon as David shows up, God says to Samuel, that's the one. Anoint him as king. And the moment that Samuel anointed, which simply means to pour oil on his head, um, and, and actually the word anointed one in, in uh, Hebrew is Yeshia, Messiah. 
The, Jesus is the anointed one. He's the Messiah, the Christ. So David was sort of the Messiah, the one who would come to rule over Israel. And the moment that he was anointed, it says that the Holy Spirit came upon him and remained with him. Now, that might not seem like a big deal in 2014 because every Christian has the Holy Spirit. But back in David's day, 1000 BC, nobody, almost nobody had the Holy Spirit. There were only specially selected people. And so David received the Holy Spirit from the time he was a teenager. And because he had the Holy Spirit of God and because God was with him, David did some incredible things. Everybody, probably everybody in the room has heard about David and Goliath, right? Goliath is a big, tall giant. David's this little kid with a slingshot and five stones. And David kills Goliath. And after that, it was interesting what happened. The people of Israel started shouting these songs of praise to, you know, God because David killed his ten thousands and Saul killed his thousands. Saul was a jealous guy. Saul had issues. Remember last week we talked about having issues? Saul had a lot of issues, and one of his issues was jealousy. And so after David uh, you know, killed Goliath, and after everybody says how great David is, Saul turned against David, and he started chasing David down like an animal. In fact, David even said that. Why do you chase after a dog like me? But this is what happened. For the rest of Saul's life, he chased after David. And then one day in battle against the Philistines, King Saul was killed. And David finally became the king. And the interesting thing about David, okay, he's the king. David also um, has the Holy Spirit. And God also says that David was a man after God's own heart. So David's heart was like God's heart. And the take-home point for today is this. The change that really matters starts when God changes our hearts. Would you say that with me? The change that really matters starts when God changes our hearts. And so David's heart had already been changed. David was like God, we're told. He had the Holy Spirit in his life. And if anybody was ever perfect, if anybody was ever going to be perfect except for Jesus, we would think it would be King David, right? He has the Holy Spirit. He's a man after God's own heart. But if you know the story of David, you know he was not perfect. David had issues. In fact, David, after he became the king, he established himself by defeating all of the, the groups that had used to belong to Saul and all the other people in Israel who were sort of against him. And then he uh, started defeating all of the outlying nations around Israel. And he had quite a kingdom going. He was a good king. He, he was actually quite a religious man. I guess you'd say a man of faith. He wrote Psalms, just like Asaph that we talked about last week. Asaph wrote Psalms. David wrote Psalms. And David was constantly meditating on the will of God. But one day, something happened. It was spring, the time when nations go out to, to battle against other nations in war. But David didn't go out to battle. He sent Joab, his commander, and the Israelite army out to do battle, but he stayed home. And he didn't have some diplomatic engagement. He didn't have some pressing family matter. He just stayed home. We don't know why. And we're told that one day in the middle of the afternoon, he got up from bed. No, wait a minute. Middle of the afternoon? What are you doing getting out of bed in the middle of the afternoon? If you're the king, I guess you can get up whenever you want to, but you would think that somebody like David, a man after God's own heart, would be up early. In fact, it says in a number of David's Psalms that he meditated on the law of God day and night. But he apparently wasn't meditating on the law of God that day. He got up in the middle of the afternoon, he went outside, he, looked, he was walking along and he looked and there, down below his palace, there was a house and on top of the house roof, there was a beautiful woman and she was taking a bath. 
And David was the king, and he said, whoa, I like that. I think I'm going to have her come home with me. And she was married, and David was married, but David didn't care about that, so he committed adultery with her. She became pregnant. Now, this does not sound like a man after God's own heart, does it? doesn't sound like a guy filled with the Holy Spirit, does it? But after this happened, David is the king, and so he says, well, I can fix this. I'm the king. I'm going to fix this. So here's what I'm going to do. I know that her husband, this lady's name was Bathsheba. Her husband's name was Uriah. I know that Uriah is a mighty soldier in my army, so I'm just going to have him come home on leave. He'll go home, have some time with his wife, and then when the baby's born, everybody will think it's Uriah's baby. Everything will be cool. But there was a problem, and the problem was that Uriah was a faithful man of God and a faithful soldier. So when he came home and David said, why don't you go home and spend the night with your wife? Uriah said, I can't do that. The rest of the soldiers are out at the battlefront. I'll just sleep outside the palace here tonight. And so he did that. So the next day, David tried to convince him again, you really should go home. I mean, come on, you're on leave. You can go home with your wife. He goes, no, I'm not going to do that. So three days, and he even got Uriah drunk. And Uriah still would not go home and be with his wife and experience pleasure whenever everybody else was at the battlefront. So David devised another plan. He's a king, so he could do whatever he wants. So what he does is he puts a little note together. He rolls it up. He gives it to Uriah. He says, give this to Joab when you get back to the front. And when Joab opens up the note, it says, put Uriah at the very front of the battle and then pull back so he will be killed. Now that does not sound like a man after God's own heart. It doesn't sound like a man who has the Holy Spirit. And what happens is Uriah dies. And so after the appropriate period of mourning, Bathsheba comes in, David marries her, and everything looks good. That's on the surface, it looks good. So David is a man after God's own heart. How could he do such a thing? We don't even have to ask that question, do we? We don't have to ask that question because all of us, all of us in the room who are already followers of Jesus, we know what happens after we trust Jesus and we get the Holy Spirit in our life. We might not have murdered anybody or committed adultery with anybody, but we still sin. Sin is still a part of our life. And we say that the change that really matters starts when God changes our heart, right? And so we all have that if Jesus is Lord and Savior of our life right now, we have that change that started in our lives. But what we're going to do right now is we're going to see what happens when a man after God's own heart, a guy with the Holy Spirit, admits that he's a sinner, even in his condition of being the man after God's own heart, and his heart gets changed again. Before we do that, we're going to turn to Psalm 51, but before we do that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we turn to your word this morning, we ask that you will show us your truth. We ask that you will teach us your ways, and we pray that you will change us from the inside out so we may become new people, or if we already are new people because of the blood of Jesus, we pray that we may grow more and more like him. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So, in Psalm 51, we're gonna just look at three verses Verses 10 to 12. And before we read those verses, I want you to know what happened. David thought that he had solved his problem. He, he had a wife now and she was pregnant. Everybody would think it was okay. Uriah was killed in battle. Nobody would be the wiser. But God sent Nathan the prophet to David. And Nathan told David a little parable. And in the little parable, it became obvious that David had sinned. And David is the king, so if he wanted to, he could have killed Nathan, and that would have been the end of it. 
But when David understood that he had sinned, he repented. That means he turned, he, he changed his mind and turned back to God. He turned back to God and then he wrote these words, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. That's a very succinct statement of what it takes for us to be changed by God and then to keep changing in, on the inside when we have done things that don't seem to demonstrate that we have the God of the universe residing in our hearts by his Holy Spirit. So King David, if you think about it, his sins were worse than King Saul's. King David had murdered and committed adultery. King Saul, all he had done, um, he was told to wait seven days and then he was gonna, the prophet Samuel was gonna come and offer some sacrifices. Well, Samuel was late. And so Saul offered the sacrifices. He acted like the priest even though he was the king. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal compared to murder and adultery. And, and then another time, King Saul was told to go into this town and, and kill everybody and everything. But he didn't kill everybody. He left the king alive, and he didn't kill all the animals. He saved some to offer sacrifices to God. And again, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal compared to murder and adultery. But two things about that. Number one is sin is sin. Sometimes we think our sin is a little sin. It doesn't really matter to God. Every sin matters to God. Every single sin matters to God, and that's why Jesus had to die on the cross the thing that we all have to realize is the reason our hearts need to be changed in the first place is because our hearts are not for God. We're, we're born with, a, with issues. Just like Asaph had issues last week and his issues remained until he went into the presence of God, our issues remain until we go into the presence of God. And so David and Saul had both sinned, but when Saul sinned, he didn't do what David did. That's the second point. The second point about this sin thing is when Saul sinned, he made excuses. Well, well, well I don't understand you. Samuel, you, you didn't show up and the soldiers were leaving. I had to offer the sacrifice because if I didn't offer the sacrifice, they would all leave and then we wouldn't have any soldiers and we couldn't fight the battle. You see, Saul was good at blaming other people. I don't just have one brother, Tom. I have three. Well, Jim died, but Ken, my younger brother, grew up with me. Tom was so old, he was already out of the household by the time I was old enough to do stuff bad. But whenever Ken came along, he was two years younger, so when I did stuff bad, what did I do? I said, Ken did it. He usually did. No, he, well, about 50-50, right? I mean, you know how it is. Your brother doesn't do everything bad, mostly, but not always. See how I'm blaming that's what Saul did. It wasn't my fault, God. It wasn't my fault, Samuel. I don't understand why you're taking the kingdom away from me because, I, you know, I'm just like everybody else. That's the problem. Saul was just like everybody else. But he didn't admit his sin. When David was called a murderer and an adulterer by God, what did David do? He said, you're right, God, I am. I, I am. And, and so after he admitted it, King David, this man after God's own heart, who had committed terrible sins, was confronted by it, he says to God, create in me a clean heart, O God. This is not a one-time prayer. I want you to know, this isn't the only time David ever had to pray, create in me a clean heart, because there weren't only two sins in David's life, just as there aren't only two sins in our lives. But I want you to look at this statement, because we're gonna break it into create in me, 
a clean heart. Create. You know who can create? Only God. We can make stuff up. You know, we can invent things, but we take the stuff that's already here and make it into something else. God is the only one who can create something from nothing. And God created the universe out of nothing. He created us out of nothing. And then here's what he can do. He can create goodness in our hearts when they're filled with sin. Only God can do that. And David knew that. David knew that if he was going to be the kind of man that God already said he was, and that's very important, David was a man after God's own heart. Before he committed adultery, he was still after because he repented. And it says, create, then it says, in me. We have to fess up. When we sin, we have to confess. We have to say, I did it. It wasn't Ken's fault. It wasn't Tom's fault. It wasn't Jim's fault. It was my fault. And what David said, he didn't say, well, it was Joab's fault because if Joab had convinced me to go off to the battle, I wouldn't have been home. It was Bathsheba's fault because if she wouldn't have been taking a bath up there on, on the top of the thing, then I wouldn't have seen her. And then, you see, David didn't do that. That's what Saul would have done. That's what many of us do. It's not my fault. I call it the Fred Flintstone syndrome. I don't know if you ever watched the Flintstones, but when Fred Flintstone did anything wrong, he would always say it wasn't his fault. And one time on one of the shows, Barney and Fred are together and Fred does something wrong and Fred goes, it's not my fault. And Barney says, never is Fred. That's the Fred Flintstone syndrome. But David didn't have the Fred Flintstone syndrome. He said, create in me what? A clean heart. It's very interesting. If you look at the word heart from start to finish in the Bible, there are a lot of instructive statements in the Bible about our hearts. And in Ezekiel chapter 36, God says this through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, and I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. The actual word in Hebrew is I'll take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. We are born with hearts of stone and God does heart surgery. He gives us hearts of flesh. And this was true before Jesus came to the earth, but it's really true now. Because when Jesus came, he was the once and for all sacrifice. We don't have to sacrifice animals because Jesus died for us. We don't have to sacrifice anything because Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice for our sins. So when we say to God, create in me a clean heart, O God, he will do it through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you in the room came in here today and you have always felt like there was something not quite right in here. You have always felt like you can't put your finger on it, but you know there has to be something more to life than there is. Maybe you have felt like you, are, you, you don't mean anything. Maybe you feel like there's just something missing in your life. And, and what it is is that stony heart that, that you were born with knows it's a stony heart and wants to be changed. And so I'm going to encourage you right now to look at a prayer that's going to be up on the screen. It says this, Lord Jesus, because we don't have to go through the blood of goats or, or calves. We can go right to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I confess to you, my heart is not right. I need you to create in me a clean heart. I need you to give me the new life that only you can give. Forgive me. Become my Savior and Lord. Change me in Jesus' name. I'm going to give you a moment right now. If you need to pray that prayer, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord. Go ahead and do that right now. So what about the rest of us? What about those of us who did trust Jesus? I did when I was 12. Some of you did when you were a little kid. Some of you did recently. You've trusted Jesus, but you know 
there's that feeling again. There's something wrong in there. there. There's something going on in your heart right now, in my heart right now, and it's not correct. So what did, what did David say next? He said, renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I love that word, renew. What does renew mean? It means there was something new and it's not new right now. It needs to be new again. And what David knew was his heart was new. He had a heart that was after God's heart. But right now, it wasn't like that. And so he said, God, renew. What kind of a spirit or what kind of a heart? A, 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 loyal, or a loyal spirit or a loyal heart, a righteous heart. And then he says, don't banish me from your presence. You see, David was afraid that after his sin, because it was a big sin, he was going to be banished from God's presence, that God would not want to speak to him again. And I think all of I've been there. I've said, wow, God, that was a big sin. That wasn't just a little sin. Of course, remember, there's no big and little sin. There's just sin. And, and the, bro- the relationship is broken, but I love that word renew because I've had to say it many times. I've said it many times in the past, and I've said it you know, just yesterday. And I'll say it again tomorrow probably. Renew me, God. Renew this heart. Make it new. Don't, don't run away from me. And, and what does it say? Once again, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David knew that God's Holy Spirit was a big blessing because he could do things that nobody else could do. And we can do things that nobody else can do if the Holy Spirit's in our lives. And then after that, David said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. You see, there may be some in the room who trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord because you wanted to go to heaven when you die and you really haven't made a big deal about it after that. But most of us in the room have known this experience that David had. We've, we've been weighed down by sin. And, and I'll tell you what happens. We get this sin, we get it forgiven, and then the devil says, well, it's not forgiven. I mean, come on, that was a big sin. And there's a difference between conviction, which the Holy Spirit gives us to tell us that we've sinned, and condemnation, which is the devil saying, you're condemned and you can never be free. You know, David, when he prayed this prayer, he was assured of his forgiveness. And when we pray our prayer to God, we can be assured of forgiveness. But the devil doesn't want that assurance because if he can keep us dwelling on our sin, he can keep us from living life. And that's his goal. He doesn't want us to have the freedom that comes from forgiveness. You see, the only one who can forgive a sin is the offended one. That's why whenever a husband you know, offends his wife and then brings flowers or takes her out to dinner and does all this good stuff, it's not going to restore the relationship. Because only the one offended can restore the relationship. The wife has to say, I forgive you. And then forgive. Same way the other way. Forgiveness is given by the one offended, not by the one who offends. God forgives us in Jesus Christ. What did Jesus say when he was hanging on the cross? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And once again, I've been there. I mean, when you sin after you've trusted Jesus, when I was a little kid, 12 years old, I accepted Jesus. The first time I sinned after I trusted Jesus, I thought it was all over. I thought, I mean, I thought, gee, I thought I was a new guy. I thought I was never going to sin again, and I just did. I'm going to hell. That's what I thought. It's bad theology. But I bet you some of you have had it. I've sinned. Even though Jesus died on the cross for me, maybe I'm not really saved. Maybe I'm not really a Christian. David was a man after God's own heart. David was filled with the Holy Spirit. He committed murder. He committed adultery. He did other things. And he went to God and he said, God created me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. Don't let your Holy Spirit go away from me. 
Then he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And that's what happens when conviction leads to repentance, leads to restoration. We can move forward in our lives. And we have to. Because if we don't, we're going to be stuck. Because all of us are going to sin. Last night, somebody asked me after service, we've been having an ongoing debate, and he said to me, do you really need what you already have? I mean, if you've already been forgiven, do you need it? And I said, yes, I do. Maybe you don't. I already have forgiveness, but when I sin, I need forgiveness again. Because I know what David said, create in me a clean heart, renew a right spirit, and restore to me the joy of your salvation. And then what's the last thing? The last thing is very interesting. He says, make me willing to obey. God, you have to make me willing to obey because I'm not going to obey even though I committed to obey, even though your Holy Spirit's in me, even though I really, really, really want to obey you, I won't do it without you. I love that last statement. It's very important because when I have sinned and then I repent and then I'm restored and I'm feeling so good and then I go, oh man, what am I gonna do now? Well, if he doesn't make me do good, I'm going to do bad again. Just the way it works. And as we grow up, that cycle is repeated less and less because the Holy Spirit does grab a hold of us more and more and more. And you know, whenever Jesus forgave the woman who came to him while he was eating dinner with a Pharisee, and and he said she had been forgiven for many sins so she would love much, the more we've been forgiven, the more our love, and the more eventually that we want to be like him and that we want that relationship to grow. But the truth is, God has to make us obey him because it's not in us by our human nature. I was a bad little kid. Without Jesus, I would be a bad big kid. You know, that's the way it works. But thanks be to God that he will create in us a clean heart, renew a right spirit in us. Okay, so here's today's commitment. This is so important. I will let God change my heart and live in the power of his spirit. Now, if you prayed that prayer earlier in the service, you're a new believer. You now are born again according to Jesus. That's the word he uses. And for the first time this week, you're going to be able to let him, by the Holy Spirit, work and live in you. If you've already done that, then we can let him live in us. A couple weeks ago, the week before Easter, I said, this is an easy commitment because it's a one-time thing. This is a hard commitment because it's for the rest of our lives. Every single day, I have to wake up and say, Jesus, you're, you're in charge. I'm gonna let you lead me today. I'm gonna let you change my heart. And that's where the the thing about invited to change. We are invited to change by the God of the universe. He won't force us. But if we will, if we will let him, he will change us. If we say, make me change, God, he'll change us. And the coolest thing that I have experienced in my own life is that change. And I know many of you have experienced it. And you say, yeah, but it only lasted for like 10 minutes. Well, enjoy the 10 minutes. Because then it's going to last 15, and then it's going to last 20. And one day, at the end of the day, we're going to go, wow, the whole day. I lived like Jesus. Could be today. Could be today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you change us when we ask you, that you come into our lives just like you came into David's life by your Holy Spirit, just as you made his heart like yours. And God, we know that we're like David. We're not perfect. And so we need that constant renewal 
And so I pray today, if any of us are burdened down by some sin that we think you can't forgive, that they would know right now in this moment the forgiveness that only you can give and the freedom that that brings. God, fill us with your Holy Spirit right now so that we might live boldly, joyfully, as renewed people. Keep your spirit growing in us every moment that others who see us will see you. This is our prayer in Jesus' name.